0: Matthew chapter six Matthew chapter six. We are we are going to be today continuing looking in our our series we've been working through um, about our our core values and our mission, the things to which the Lord has called us, and I think it's especially fitting as we do so on this first day and this new building, this new property the Lord has entrusted to us. Um, we're going to be looking today at a passage that I trust is very familiar to us, but as I want us to see today, I don't want it to be familiar to us uh, in a way that we don't really think carefully about it, and in thinking carefully about it, that we're not actually pursuing it. It's one thing to seek the kingdom of righteousness in, pra- in, in principle, it's another thing uh, truly to do it in practice, and I really want to focus our attention on the practice today. So I'm going to ask that you would stand. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 25 to the end. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. O Lord our God, take this word today, especially the word of your kingdom. And Lord, would you press it on our hearts that we might see your kingdom rightly and that it might be our chief and highest end and drive away from us needless fears and doubts, that you will surely provide what we need to do your work in your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, brethren. Now, I read that passage. I will tell you, we're going to focus especially on that 33rd verse today. I'm not going to exposit this text. We have done so back in our Sermon on the Mount series, and I'm not going to rehash it all in detail. I'll remind you, you know, our Lord Jesus and his focus here is to say that the kingdom of God and his righteousness is to be our chief, our prime ambition and desire. You know, our Lord Jesus tells us, I mean, we're told in the, uh, through the apostles and other places, obviously, you know, our, our Father is not opposed to us working. We're told uh, uh, if a man will not work, he should also not eat. We're told that the labor of our hands is actually part of dominion and it's God's blessing we should labor we should strive and do it as unto him and he will use that as a means to provide for us although he is by no means bound to that whether by regardless of what means he uses the goal is that our his kingdom and pursuing that would be our chief and highest aim in our labors in our lives in every way i one of the songs you know me i, I always like a good song but years and years ago when i was In college, there was a song that I used to. I had a very short little song by uh, Sister Twyla Paris. I'm sure many of you have heard of Twyla in the years past, but uh, I had had, uh, always appreciated her music back in college. And there was one little, very short little ditty that she wrote, but that had really stuck with me at that time. And and uh, some of you may have heard the song. It's um, Faithful Men. Let me just read you. Uh, It's very short. The chorus just goes, come and join the reapers, all the kingdom seekers, laying down your life to find it in the end. Come and share in the harvest, help to light the darkness, for the Lord is calling faithful men. I think that's right on it. It's very simple, but that, that's really the call of this passage. The Lord is calling sisters, brothers, He's calling us in our households and His congregations uh, to walk in faith and to be faithful to Him, to lay down our lives, take up His cross, embrace that there's going to be pain and difficulty in the world, but it will not be in vain. Our labors will not be in vain to share in His harvest, joining in the reaper's, Because Jesus told us the fields are white for harvest and His purpose is to have an abundant crop and to have much fruit, to be about lighting the darkness because the light that is in us and the God that we worship is a God of light and in Him there is no darkness at all. So it's walking in the light and then letting His light shine through us, through our good works done in His name abundantly that people may see our good works and come to glorify our Father in heaven, and be part of His kingdom, of which we are. So as we consider these things today, I just want to really focus our attention. This is more topical than I normally do, but again, we're going to look at uh, a few different passages today that really speak to us about God's kingdom and His righteousness. The first thing I want to ask, you can see in your outline there, is the question, what exactly, what is the kingdom of God? or as Matthew often styles it, and it's the same thing. It's what is the kingdom of heaven? Um, Matthew uses these phrases really largely interchangeably. We shouldn't see them as different. It's the kingdom that God reigns over, and it's the kingdom that rules from the heavens, but not only in the heavens. It rules on earth as in heaven. Uh, The way I have defined it, um, for our purposes, I think rightly, is it's God's present reign over all things, above the earth, On the earth, the Bible even says below the earth, in the abyss, God is ruling and reigning there. There is no place, brethren, where the living God does not rule and reign in the affairs of of angels and men. He is sovereign in His providence and that the Lord God above the earth and the angelic hosts Among the saints, the innumerable cloud of witnesses, the angelic hosts there, he is ruling in the affairs of men and nations on the earth and even under the earth. He is sovereign um, even over death and uh, the abyss and Hades. He is sovereign there and he reigns through Jesus Christ the reign that, uh, of, of the, the kingdom of God, the reign of God and of the heavens is one that the kingdom has now been established firmly and given over to our Lord Jesus Christ. At His ascension and His session now at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is, the Bible tells us in First Corinthians, He is ruling, He is reigning and subduing all things under His feet. The idea there being that uh, you know the throne is lifted up, that which is under the feet is that which is in full willing in subjection to him. It is to the place, as Paul says in Philippians two, that every knee will bow, every tongue surely will and confess, Jesus is Lord. And so, brethren, the Lord our God that we worship in His kingdom of which we are a part is one that is ruled through Jesus Christ, the eternal second person of the Trinity, the Son of God who has been anointed, as it said there, as prophet, priest, and king of kings, and head of the church. So, the Lord Jesus Christ rules over His kingdom. He rules as Uh, The prophet, meaning that his word, his law word, his prophetic word is the word. That's why Jesus told us that we are to go forth in his name, disciple nations, teaching them to obey all that he has taught us. And Jesus, you remember, told us himself that the words that I speak are not my own, but the words which the Father gave me. So there's this continuity. It's the word of the Father through the Son, and mediated through the Spirit to and through the church but that the word of the Lord Jesus is the word of that final prophet that Moses spake about in Deuteronomy 18. He is the one who would come and to him you must give heed. You remind you in Deuteronomy 18 we where uh, in Deuteronomy we're told there that it, those who would not heed the words of this prophet that they actually would be cut off. Right? And the people of God had been waiting in earnest for this messianic prophetic figure to come who would bring the word of Lord and Jesus comes as the living word as the word incarnate speaking the words of God the words of faith and of truth and of life and the reality is that those who hear his words who submit themselves to that word in obedience of faith, they are part of that kingdom and they will be blessed of the Lord. Those who reject the word of the Lord reject that word which is given to and through his church. Remember Jesus said that he who receives you receives me. Who rejects you rejects me. Who rejects the word of truth imparted through the people of God that is the same as rejecting him and they will be cut off they will be cast out into outer darkness outside of the kingdom but he also comes as he is the priest and the mediator the eternal mediator between God and men in the heavenly in the heavenly temple and he Rules in that resp- sense, and the ones, the member of priest is that which brings people, brings men near to God as well as bringing God near to men. That's what a mediator does. Jesus, now in his high priestly role, he serves always the blood of his, his own blood, which purifies in a way that the blood of bulls and goats could never do, has purified the temple, the heavenly dwelling of the Almighty God in his presence, and has gained access for us into that presence. Brethren, that we who are in Christ, he is our high priest. And through him we draw near through the veil, the scripture says, into the very presence of God, and we are heard. But also, Jesus not only brings us near to God, but in his priestly ministry, he has brought God near to us. Right? He has brought the Father, as it were, out from behind the veil to us. I remind you in John 14, Jesus says that if any man keep my commandments that I will love him and my Father will love him and we will come and make our home with him and in him. Brethren, Jesus the Son as well as God the Father through the Spirit, I know there's mystery to that, but brethren, the reality is, is that the triune God even though God the Father in a special way, and the Son, in special way, is in the heavenlies. Nevertheless, our Lord Jesus, through the Spirit, the Spirit brings to us the real presence of the Father and the Son to dwell within us as living stones in the temple of God, which temple we are. Brethren, the Father has drawn near to you through Jesus Christ. He is in you. He is here to bless us, a present reality. And also Jesus, as we know, He is King of kings and Lord of lords. I mean, we're told that over and over. All power and authority in heaven and earth have been given over to him. And he will rule. He will reign until all is put under his feet. The last enemy even then being death itself. At which point Jesus hands the kingdom back to the Father that God may be all in all. The fullness of the kingdom and the glory of God that we read about in Revelation. But brethren, Jesus is ruling. That means that He is shaping and moving the hearts of men, of nations, of kings and rulers, through His sovereign power, and as we'll see in a moment, through His church. So the things that we prayed about this morning, you know, when Brother Jeremiah prayed for, uh, for our nation and the nations, that the Lord would move rulers. Brethren... We need to embrace this reality that our king is king of all kings. Because it's easy to be intimidated, isn't it, when I see the Pritzkers of this world or I see the Bidens or whoever in in, in civil office wielding their office unrighteously. Right? Rather than rewarding the righteous, persecuting the righteous, rather than punishing the evil, blessing and rewarding the evil, and we think to ourselves, "Oh Lord our God, where is Jesus Christ in all this? So we cry out to Him, But brethren, the Lord our God, though He may tarry for time for His purposes, He may allow evil to the scepter of the wicked to rest for a time, for a time on the people of God. It will not remain there. Jesus has been promised by the Father, ask of me and I will give you all the nations as your inheritance. You will rule them with a rod of iron. They will bow down. They will submit. Brethren, our labors are not in vain because Jesus, our great high king, is ruling and reigning. So let us not lose heart. But then I want you to see this part here. He is the anointed prophet, priest, king of kings, but he is also uh, the head of the church. And this gets to the second thing you see there, is that God's present reign on earth is through the church, the body and fullness of Christ. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, if you would, please, just very quickly. This is a passage I think we often easily gloss over. But at the end of Ephesians 1, you know, Paul has talked about here every spiritual blessing being given to the church is our inheritance in the heavenly places. And brethren, the heavenly places are the place is the place of God's fullness, of all of his bounty, all of his power and goodness on behalf of his church and his people. It's the place of our inheritance, as is Ephesians 1 11 and following so says that, that inheritance. But at the end of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul prays for them very specifically. I'm going to read fifteen uh, Through 23, uh, chapter 1. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, He may give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened to see so that you may know what is the hope of His calling. You may know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in or among the saints, all the saints. That you may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places." So again, Jesus is at the heavenly places, but Paul says that his yearning is that they would understand and experience more of the mighty power that God exercised when he raised Jesus and seated him with dominion and authority in the heavenly places, far above all principalities, powers, and mights, and dominions, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Say, what's the point, Steve? The point there I want you to see is that this power that Jesus has said that is his and has been given to him even that resurrection power by which he has been given all power and authority in heavens and earth and under the earth, he says that that is for the sake of his church to be head over all things to or for his church, which is his body, the church being the fullness of him who fills all in all. Brethren, what I want you to see here is that Jesus' glorious mediatorial reign, his kingdom reign is done and is accomplished not apart from the church but through the church and that means that for you and i we must be committed if we're going to and this is application one if we're going to be about seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness then we must be for the church of jesus christ and that means we must be for all of the true church of jesus christ one of the reasons why we have put such an emphasis in this past year or two, upon becoming a church, a local congregation, that sees the church, capital C, rightly, is because there cannot be righteous seeking of His kingdom and of His righteousness when we are more concerned about this local congregation than we are about the church. Brethren, it is where, as we would see later in Ephesians 2, where that peace that Jesus has brought and drawn all of us near through the Father, that we all have access by one Spirit, Ephesians 2.18, to the Father, where the walls of division between uh, Jew and Gentile, clean, unclean, have been torn down, and that Jesus has drawn us who are in Christ near together in one body, that we have access to the Father as one people. That's why Paul can say then in Ephesians 4, "...be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace." Because with meekness, with humility, because there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one uh, there is one hope of our calling, one spirit, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Brethren, we must be committed to the Church of Jesus Christ and her prosperity if we're going to be committed to the kingdom of God and seek it truly. That's why it's such a good thing. It is a righteous thing for us to be doing what we're doing this morning and praying for our brethren at these other churches that are striving, you know, in, in different ways, you know, there's differences with some of these churches. There, there's ways they're not like us. I'm sure that if, if I went to Newcastle on a Sunday morning or to Bethany Community, uh, you know, or some, some of these other local churches, there, there are things that I, w- I would say, well, this feels very different than ResPres, and maybe I would rightly say, you know, maybe in my case, I like, I like the way we do things at ResPres better, and that's fine. There's going to be variations And God is in this. But brethren, I want us to embrace the people of God. We don't embrace those who are Christians in name only, who reject orthodoxy, who practice perversion and wickedness. We have nothing to do with that, with the Jezebel spirit, with those that tolerate evil in their midst and refuse to test the spirits. But brethren, on the other hand, we earnestly embrace those who love the scriptures, love Jesus' lordship and his kingdom reign, and seek to be about his purposes in the world. We must do that to seek his kingdom because we are the church, the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And the kingdom of Christ will rule through the church, through the spirit moving in in the church. So let's pray to that end. Secondly, second question I've asked you What are the characteristics of this kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven? Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. I quoted this verse on the front of our order of worship. Today, and I would have us to look at again, Romans 14, verse 17. I want to look at the context, though. This is very important in terms of forming our thinking about what, uh, what, what it looks like to seek the kingdom. The Apostle Paul, as he gets toward the end here of Romans 14, he says these words in verse 17. He says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the first thing I would have us to say is, let's consider what the, Paul, what the Apostle Paul says are the characteristics. Number one, he says the kingdom of God is not fundamentally about eating and drinking. Yes, we eat and drink. That's not the point, though. It's not about. If you look at the context prior to this, you know he's he's talking in Romans fourteen. I remind you about how to deal with as they were struggling in the church at Rome. How to deal with differences on secondary matters. There were those in the church of Rome who really believed, uh, you know, that they were permitted to eat whatever was set before them. They were in that case the stronger brethren. Uh, they they actually knew and understood the liberty they truly had in Christ. That's what he says. But he says they were getting, what was happening is they were angry at those they perceived to be weaker, who, whose conscience has bound them, you, we, you can't eat this. And they were starting to snipe and bite and devour them. And Paul says, nah, <laughs> that's the point of Romans 14, right? How, how does this work out? That, that, that's his goal. Uh, and, and he concludes all this, uh, you know, by, by telling them here that we are to receive the ones that we believe are weak in faith, but not to a spirit of disputing over doubtful things. Uh, we, we're, we are to look and understand that uh, none of us lives, verse 7, none of us lives to ourself. We don't die to ourself. Whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. If we live, if we die, we die to the Lord. If we live, we live to the Lord. So either way, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's corporately together, both the weak and the strong. That's why Jesus died, he says in verse 9, that he would be Lord king of the kingdom for both the living and the dead. And then he asked this question. He says, so, now let me, he says, let me go, go, go from, pre- go from uh, preaching to meddling. He says, why is it then, Romans, why is it, you Roman Christians, why are you judging your brethren? Why do you show contempt for your brother? We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, As it's written, as I live, every knee will bow to me. Again, think the kingdom. Every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. So here's the application. Let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in a brother's way. It's in that context then which he can say in verse 15, Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Don't let your good be spoken of evil. Go, evil. Why? Because the kingdom of God, of which the strong and the weak are part of, as one body in Christ, it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's not about your food and drink fundamentally. And so Paul's earnestness, he says, the definition here is this. to start. It's about righteousness. What do you mean by righteousness? Well, brethren... I mean, really, in a nutshell, when we talk about it, it's about righteousness, it's about what uh, Jesus, uh, it's about teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. It's about what is pleasing to God. So you can't have a kingdom of God. The kingdom of God certainly involves obedience to the law of God. It means obeying God. But as we've seen in Romans 14, it's not. It's obeying God and keeping His law, His commands front and center but it's also about how, as we saw in Romans, it's about how we, how we walk together as we hold fast to the righteousness of God, right? Because what you had here, surely, in Rome was the, those who were viewed themselves as strong, and they were saying, they would have surely said, Paul, that's exactly right. It's about the righteousness of God, and these weak brethren, they're not being righteous. Amen, the righteousness of God. So tell our weak brethren to get righteous or get out, <laughs> Paul's saying, you're missing the point. It's about hearts that hunger and thirst to please God and to do what is pleasing. And there are going to be places where that may not look exactly the same. And he's saying, rather than beating each other up, you resolve to walk in righteousness. Hunger and thirst for what is pleasing to God. Live in such a way as to build your brothers and sisters up and to urge them on while you patiently wait for them to get where you want them to go. Or maybe they need to wait for for me to get where I need to go. You know, it, may be, it may be that I'm the weaker brother. I would each, urge each of you to then say, we'll, then, then let's wait on each other. But let's seek not to put stumbling blocks, even as we proclaim that the law and the Lord, the, Jesus is Lord and His law is true. But we must be those that John says in 1 John 3, that practice righteousness. There is no place in the kingdom of God for those that practice wickedness. I'm not going to have you turn to 1 John 3, but he's quite clear there. He that practices righteousness, that seeks to do what is pleasing to the Lord, that honors and reveres His word, he whose mindset is that and who wants to do what God says, he who practices righteousness is righteous as He is righteous. He that does not practice righteousness not, does not know Him because God is righteous. He is light. That's what He says. But we also, as Paul's saying, you've got to have leeway in there to understand that we're going to need to bear with one another. Righteousness is not always just a one-size-fits-all. There's variations, and we need to love that. Secondly, peace. This is the peace of God, the shalom of God, His blessing. It's His state where there is no warfare. It is unity among the brethren, as I said earlier. And the kingdom of God is defined by peace among the saints. The peace of God. Why does Paul start so many of his epistles? Grace to you and peace from God our Father, brethren. It's because the kingdom of God is a kingdom that, among the faithful, it is one where there is peace within amongst His people. Right? They seek that unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we are peacemakers. We're not. Peace breakers. We're not those that sow discord and division among the things that God has joined together. We are long suffering with one with another, and we promote and do the things that make for peace amongst the people of God. Even as we don't, on the other hand, though, that means that we don't falsely say peace peace to those that are outside of the kingdom, to those that are promoting wickedness, we don't say peace peace to those to whom there is no peace, do we? We don't lie. Brethren, within the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord himself has given us his peace. Our differences among us notwithstanding, our, our distinctives, he has pronounced his peace upon those who love him. And we need to uphold that peace because that's where his kingdom lies. He's given us, third thing he says here, it's about joy and the whole joy. Brethren, again. You want to say, well, where is the kingdom of God? Where where do I see the visible manifestation of the kingdom of God working in and through the church? Brethren, there is going to be a holy joy in the Spirit, in the Lord, that will be characteristic of the people of God wherever you find them. I would tell you I would much rather be in a situation, if I had to, I would much rather be in a situation where I was among brethren who were a little different from me than doctrinally, but who just had a God-besided joy in the Holy Spirit than I would rather be in a situation where we had every I dotted and every T crossed, but we were callous and cold and joyless. Brethren, the kingdom of God, I assure you, will manifest in the fruit of the Spirit of joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness to God and His people, gentleness, self-control. Where you see those fruits of the Spirit, and you see that working where the joy of the Lord is motivating people. There's just a deep, uh, mutually sustained delight in the living God and in the people of God. One that overcomes our weakness, that is patient with one another. Brethren, that joy of the Lord will be our strength, and it will cause the church to be strong. And you notice he says that all of these things here are in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Brethren, all I'm going to tell you there is, if you read your New Testament at all, the great promise of the day was that the betterness of the better covenant, the newness of the new covenant was fundamentally While continuous with God's purposes and plans and His covenant of grace from the beginning, the betterness of the new covenant fundamentally revolves around the pouring out and the filling of the Spirit of God. What is the distinctive badge of the the church of Jesus Christ? of I will build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Brethren, it is that the Spirit of God dwells in you, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit which is our helper, the Spirit who guides us, who is our power, who writes the law of God and His righteousness on our heart, that Spirit that causes us to yearn and crave after the things of God, the very Spirit of the living God in us for power, for presence, for purity, for purity. Brethren, that is the Spirit. And Paul couldn't be more clear here, is that the presence of the Spirit in the things of the fruits of the Spirit and the pursuit of the filling in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. You will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? Be filled with the Spirit. Speaking one to another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Building one another up. Submitting one to another in the Lord. Brethren, where the Spirit of the living God is working, those fruits of the Spirit will manifest. And you can say, the kingdom of God is manifest, and we're seeing it here. I am seeing the fruits of the reign of God here. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 4. There's one a couple things more I want to point out here as we move towards the close. The Apostle Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians, which was a... Remind you, just like Rome, remember that what was going on in Corinth was Corinth was a church where they were, I am of Paul, I am of Cephas, I am of Apollos, I am of Jesus. They were a fractured and segmented church. They were a proud church. They were boasting in all the wrong things. Sounds very much like so many churches today the Apostle Paul had come to the Corinthians and he had told them back in chapter 2 that he was going to come not with persuasive words of human wisdom but demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that their faith would not be in the wisdom of men but the power of God. But then look what he says in chapter 4, verse 20. I'm going to read verse 18 to 20. He says, Now some of you are puffed up, as though I were not going to come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up. I will know the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but it is in power. Brethren, the scripture tells me and it tells you that one of the sure marks of when you know the kingdom of God is present and working is that there will be a power working in and through the church. And you say, well, what does that mean, Steve? What is power? Well, the first and foremost, brethren, evidence of the power of God is the power of transformed lives. Brethren, just go read Acts. When the power of God was poured out, when we see the power of God working in and through his church, there were... Uh, both the church growing deep and wide. There were people being converted. There were people being discipled. There were saints and lives being transformed and brought into the obedience of faith. The church grew and was unified and was sanctified, right? Brethren, I think so often, uh, you know, we we find ourselves so often today like that church, the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3, you remember the Lord Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man of you hears my voice and opens up to him, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And then Jesus goes on and says that he that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne even as I sit on my Father's throne. That's ruling and reigning with him. It's kingdom talk, Right? Jesus, it's amazing that he would need to say this. I know that verse is used often in an evangelistic context, but brethren, Jesus is talking to the church there and saying, Laodiceans, you have a reputation. You know, you think of yourself as being something special. You think of yourself as being high, and he says, and yet I'm telling you, you are like lukewarm water. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth because there's no power. You're all word, you're all talk, but there's no power. Lives aren't changed. Hearts aren't being subdued to the, live, to the character and likeness of the living God. There's no zeal about His kingdom. All you're concerned about, Laodiceans, is building your own kingdom and your own reputation. He counsels them that I counsel you to get from me I salve that you might see because you say, oh, we see. We see just fine. We see really well. He says, you don't know that you are blind, naked. Brethren, I say that because the things that we have prayed for and we are yearning for here at Resurrection Church, we are yearning for and praying for that the Lord would again pour out manifestations of power upon us. I don't want to be that type of church that Paul talks about in Second Timothy 3, who having a form of godliness but denying its power. Our doctrine is just so-so, but we live like practical heathens. We have so little faith, so little conformity to the Lord, so little yearning and zeal about His kingdom, about the lost, about fruitfulness, the things that matter most to God. Do you see what he's saying? The kingdom of God manifests where there is the power of transformed lives. So brethren, the application for us is simple. Brethren, seek that power. Seek the filling. Pray for it. For yourselves, for your your children, day by day. Lord, fill us with the Spirit in my home. Oh God, manifest your power in my home and myself first to subdue me from the passing pleasures of sin. To break the bondage that I have yet in me of the craving of the things of this world. Of the passing trivialities of vanity fair that keep me from being wholly fixated. Lord, I'm pursuing the celestial glory in this city to come. And I'm going to pray like that and I'm going to live like that. It means that we're going to pursue that power in the church. And again, that power is so often tied about. Where do we see the power in Acts? Where do we see the power? They were all of one accord. Meeting together from house to house. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Brethren, where is the power of God in the church in our day? Brethren, that's that's the kind of church in which we're going to see the Lord pouring out power. And it may... I know we're not going to be charismatics. I have some deep theological concerns with that. But brethren, I pray that we don't, in our rejection of the charismatic excesses, that we don't believe and get to a place where we don't believe that we should expect that the Lord Himself will manifest power even for the healing of body and that He will heal and that He will work on the body as He does on the soul. Brethren, the kingdom of God involves power and we should seek that It involves life and fruit very quickly. I just remind you again, I mentioned this earlier. But brethren, our Lord Jesus in John 15, I won't ask you to turn there, but in that John 15, 1 to 16, you all know this passage. I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Every branch in me that bears fruit, uh, my Father is the vine dresser. and, And every branch in me that bears fruit, the Father prunes that he may bear more fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he cuts off so that the others may bear more fruit. And then Jesus goes on. He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And then in verse 16, this is why I chose you and called you and appointed you that you would uh, that you would go and that you would bear fruit and that your fruit would actually abide and remain. So the calling of the Lord on us is to be a people that are driven like the Father is driven by fruitfulness, abiding fruitfulness. To not be content with fruitlessness. Brethren, I remind you that the sole purpose of the branch with regard to the vine, the sole purpose of the branch is to escort the life of the branch through the life of the vine through the branch for the purpose of bearing fruit that tastes like the life and that resonates the life of the of the vine that's the purpose of being a branch is that we would be fruitful that we would exude the aroma and the savor the fragrance of Jesus and what's the purpose of fruit brethren brethren the purpose of fruit is to be eaten I remind you that the tree of life and revelation, of which that's what Jesus speaks here, that he's the vine, we are grafted into him, become part of that tree of life. What is the purpose of the tree of life? It's for the healing of the nations. Brethren, here's the question. Are we yearning after fruitfulness, spiritual fruit, every fruit? Like I said, it's the fruits of the spirit. It may be you know, the fruit of our bodies, the fruit of our labors, uh, to give those fruits to the Lord. Lord, I want to be fruitful in my vocation. I want to be fruitful in our family. I'm going to give to you, as Hebrews 13 says, the, the fruits of my lips, offering praise to the Lord. Hebrews 13:16 then says, do not forget to do good and share, be generous, because with such sacrifices, fruits, the Lord is well pleased. Brethren, fruitfulness can take all sorts of shapes, but we must say, Lord, I want to be fruitful, which means furthermore, say, Father, I want people to come and eat the fruit that I produce, because it's you, brethren, are you, are you willing? <laughs> are we willing to be eaten from that others may live? What does it mean to say that, remember Jesus says in John 12, verse 24 and 25, "Unless a grain of seed fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die? It beareth much fruit. Brethren, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of people who have embraced the cross, who have embraced it and said, I am going to embrace the thorns. I'm going to consider my soul boast like Paul. I boast in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ by which the world is crucified to me and I to the world. The cross is my glory. I am glad to spend and be spent for your souls to be fruit that is eaten, but it must be the savor of Jesus people taste in us and in our families. It must not be the savor of ourselves. <laughs> like I said, I love to go out to our apple tree and pluck a big apple off and just eat and savor it, but brethren. I've got some apples on that tree which whether bugs or other things that if I was to pluck those off would taste pretty rotten. Lord, I want much fruit, but I want it to be Jesus' fruit, the fruit of abiding in him. Not the fruit of my flesh, not the fruit of my labors of trying to build my own kingdom, my own way, but the fruit of the living, risen, resurrected Christ dwelling in and living through me. And that only comes, brethren, as we abide and as we feed on Jesus day by day. There is no substitute for abiding. And the result of that then is blessedness. It's just what... what the character Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what is that blessing? Brethren, think back to what we just said about the in Genesis 1. The Lord God, he made them male and female, put his image upon them. He gave them a commission. Be fruitful. Multiply. Fill. Subdue. Genesis 2. Tend the garden I give to you. Keep it in your sphere of influence. And then the Lord God said, it is very good. And he... Blessed them. He said, this is my blessing. My sovereign fatherly uh, my sovereign fatherly mark of approval upon you in your life. Your life is one that is fruitful and it is good. And I will use it. Brethren, blessed are those who are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. Blessed are the mourners over sin. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. The gentle, not weak but gentle, the the power harnessed in the service of God, with the self control, they will inhe- for theirs, you know, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of the kingdom. Oh Lord, make me more like, conform to your image, your righteousness, and I will be satisfied. With they shall be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. They're going to get mercy upon mercy upon mercy from God. Blessed are the pure in heart. I don't want to have a heart that's corrupted by the pursuits of the world, the things, the passing pleasures of sin, the things that have no substance. I want to have a heart that says, my treasure's in heaven, and I'm going to lay up things there. I want a heart that's pure. I want a heart that is a peacemaking heart between the brethren, that pursues it earnestly that the people of God, that those who love Him would walk in peace and seeks to bring the peace of God to those who don't yet know Him who are peaceable men and to say, come on in, the water's great. The living waters that we drink of here are good and they will satisfy your soul. And we're okay to be persecuted for righteousness' sake because we have His blessing. He says it's good. Don't worry about persecution. You're actually doing the work of the kingdom on those occasions when you are. I'm going to just skip on ahead. We'll be quick. What does it mean then to seek his kingdom? And his, what does it mean to seek first that kingdom? Number one, to seek first God's kingdom means to seek first the God of the kingdom. That may go without saying, but it needs to be said. Brethren, to seek first God's kingdom, if you want an inheritance, we want to have our, that inheritance. It is to seek the God who is the God of the kingdom. There are so many who say they are seeking the kingdom, but when it comes right down to it, they are not uh, deeply motivated by to know the living God. What is the glory of the new Jerusalem? Is it the streets of gold? Is that fundamentally the fact that there is no more curse there? That's a glorious thing. That there is no more tears and every tear wiped away. That's a marvelous thing. But brethren, the fundamental glory of the New Jerusalem, the city of our God, into which all the nations will bring their gifts, as it says. All the nations will come into it and bring their best things, their very good things on that last day. The glory of the New Jerusalem, brethren, is that the Son of God, there is no more sun there because the Son himself is its light. And they will dwell in the presence of Almighty God forever. Brethren... You, I want us to be a people and to be associated with people that just have a deep, God-besotted whole that will only be satisfied in knowing and loving the living God. Amen? I pray that's what we'll be. To know God, Jesus says, is eternal life. To walk with Him, to know Him, and there is no substitute for knowing Him. Brethren, knowing about Him is not a substitute for knowing Him. Not for knowing Him in relation to... For us, it simply means, since we are the church of Jesus and we are made in His image, it means that we're going to fulfill our priestly calling. To seek His kingdom first means that we're going to be about our priestly calling to bring God near to men and men near to God. Brethren, the Bible tells me that you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy priesthood of people who were chosen by God. You were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You once were not a nation, but now you are the nation that the Lord is building. People for His name. Brethren, do you embrace what it means to be the priest of God? Do you pray? Priests pray a lot. (laughs) Priests just pray because they mediate between God and men and men and God. We pray for our households because we... Men, sisters, helping in this. We pray for our kids. We beseech the Lord in faith that he will give them because we are believing that the Lord in our role as priests, he is going to answer. He is going to bless as we draw our children, bring them near to the Lord. And we seek to bring the Lord near to them. Whether their family devotions in our conference when we rise up, when we lie down. Brethren, we are acting as priests. And we're doing that in, our, in among the nations. Where you work, do you see yourself... There in the marketplace, whatever it is, is I'm a priest of the living God. I am anointed with the Spirit to serve the cause of Jesus Christ here where I work. To let that light shine, to pray for and seek to develop relationships with those whom I work with the yearning and goal that they too may know the living God as I do. Brethren, I hope that's what motivates us because I don't want us to be a group of people that are just clock pushers simply to get a paycheck. Your work matters because you're priests, Sisters in the home, do you see yourselves as priests to the Lord in your homes? Do you see yourself in your work as part of God's divine calling to raise up a next generation, a holy generation? And do you see your work as anointed by the Lord to be his priest in your household? I hope you do. I hope you do. I hope you see the urgency of what it means that you are priests to the Lord in your home. We are the prophetic voice of the Lord, calling men and women to speak, calling to speak the truth of God to people as ambassadors of Christ. We have the words of the Lord entrusted to us, and so we have that prophetic calling like Jesus does. And we speak God's word without shame. We're not ashamed of Jesus' words, but we speak them to all who will hear. And then we fulfill our royal calling, our kingly calling, like Jesus, as we said, to exercise righteous dominion in the spheres to which he's called us. Brethren, just as Jesus is prophet, priest, and king, and ruler over all things to the church, so brethren, we as the church, we are prophets, priests, and kings seeking his kingdom, and he will help us when we call. And I say all that then, brethren, just as if you circle an end here in Matthew 6, because Remind you what the promise was that Jesus gave. As we seek first, as our primary ambition, as our overarching compulsion day by day, as we seek first the visible advance of His kingdom in the church, in our community, in the marketplace, in our households, the promise Jesus gives there, He says, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The old phrase, I think it was, um, I think it was William Carey. I had a husband, I remember, who said, God's work then in God's way will not lack God's supply. Brethren, the Lord our God will take care of us. He will make sure that we do not want if we're about his business and we are given over to it. So, brethren, I'm going to start. I'm going to conclude with what I started with, that song by Twyla Paris. I'd like us to get this noodle. Maybe you go home and listen to it this afternoon. It's called Faithful Men. The call is to come and join the reapers, all of you kingdom seekers. Lay down your lives to find them in the end. Come and share in the harvest. Help to fight to light in the darkness. For the Lord our God is calling faithful men. Brethren, let's pray. Father, my yearning for myself and for this church and for your church in the world, especially here where we are planted in the Peoria Taswell County area, is that we would function and be about earnestly about building your kingdom, not our own. Father, we so easily fall into building our own little towers, our own little uh, dominions and kingdoms, and Father. The call for us today is to be earnest about pursuing the kingdom that is governed, that is characterized by righteousness, by peace amongst the brethren, by joy, by the filling in the presence of the Holy Spirit and power, bearing much fruit. The kingdom that will have your blessed very good upon it and will have your help. Father, I pray that you will give us grace to Take seriously and consider our prophetic, our priestly, and our royal kingly callings as those that are in Christ. That we would consider how to walk those things out in the gardens to which you've called us to tend and keep in our homes, in our workplaces. Father, with our neighbors in our neighborhood, with regard to the church of Jesus Christ in our area. But Father, grant us that we would have a holy zeal, that the King of Kings would be honored, that your name would be hallowed among men, that your will would be done on earth as is in heaven, and that we would have and give you no peace and give you no rest until that comes to pass in fullness. O oh, Father, may your kingdom be our single greatest heart and, and, and yearning. May it be for us that which motivates all of our efforts and labors. And may at the cross of Jesus Christ be our sole boast and may we say with Paul that our chief end is that we may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death that we might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Father, I ask you this day for myself, for my family, for our church. I ask you to do what you need to do as the heavenly vine dresser to purge us of dead wood, to purge us of things that are hindering us purge us of all secondary loves and idolatries that get in the way that get in the way Father of us loving and seeking your kingdom truly and faithfully and zealously by faith so Lord increase our faith I pray for we ask this in Jesus name Amen